You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. We continue our series, a short summer of Psalms today with Psalm 42. It'll be on the screens. It's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. As a deer longs for flowing streams, my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving and a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, where is your God? Hmm. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my help, and my God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you. It's a powerful psalm, isn't it? The depths of this language, the honesty of the words the travesty of a soul that seems to be torn apart in suffering and despair. And yet, and yet, how, how? The, the psalmist ends up in a place of hope at the end of it all. <clears throat> so for a few moments, let's walk through the heartbeat of this psalm. As the deer longs for the flowing streams, my soul longs for you, O God. There are two meanings of this word, too long, and the first is less intuitive. As the deer longs for the stream, this word longing in Hebrew is only used a sparse number of times in the Old Testament. And what it really means is when the deer comes up to the water, the deer's feet are planted firmly on the bank of the river or the bank of, of, of the, the lake shore, the pond. The feet are planted firmly, but the deer is stretching out to receive the water. As the deer longs for the stream means to have your feet planted but your body stretching out 
for what is before you. My soul longs for God. And the other meaning is more uh, uh, intuitive, right? And, and in context with the rest of the song, it, it means desire. It means hope. It means to have your feet planted firmly in the present, but you are stretching out in space and time for that which you hope. A longing. What do you long for? Not just what do you want. Everybody wants buffalo wings for lunch. What do you, what do you desire? What are you stretching for? What causes you, as your feet are firmly planted on the ground, to lift up just enough just before you lose balance? What is it that you long for? I remember my first real longing of my soul is when Hurricane Katrina hit. I was in North Carolina in seminary, but all the rest of my family was in South Louisiana. And as I was watching the news and I was watching that hurricane come right up to hit the heart of the city, there was a longing, there was a desire. I literally sat in my car and, and played the song and listened to the song, do you know what it means to miss New Orleans and miss it each night and day? I didn't hear from my family for two days. This longing to be with your people. This longing to reach out for God and God's providence and God's help. This longing to not be where you are. What is implicit in this first verse is that in order to long for something, there must be some separation between you and whatever it is. Whether that separation is real or realized in the mind's eye, there's some distance there that must be traversed. How I long, as the deer longs for the flowing streams, my soul longs for you, O God. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God. This verse, in part, is why every Sunday morning I have the good fortune to be with you. We begin by saying, and now by the power of the Holy Spirit, through our Lord Jesus Christ, let us worship the living God. God is alive and dynamic and moving and therefore sometimes exhausting because God is prodding and poking and dragging us at times to where we need to be. This idea of the living God reminds me of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. There were a group of Sadducees, if you want to follow along at home, it's, it's Mark chapter 12, verses 18 through 27. There are a group of Sadducees who corner Jesus to question him. And he begins by saying, by the way, Sadducees do not believe in the afterlife. The Sadducees were a sect of Judaism, and the Sadducees were the ones who took care of the temple. They did not believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees did. The Sadducees did not. So, the Sadducees corner Jesus, and they say, okay, we know, Jesus, from Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 25, that if a man and a woman are married, 
and the, the man dies and they don't have any kids, then the man's brother then marries the woman so that she may produce fruit on the brother's behalf. But, but let's say, hypothetically, Lord, you're a, a smart rabbi. Let's say that, that then her husband dies, her second husband dies. And then the third brother, you know, Daryl, Daryl, my other brother, Daryl, the third brother marries her and he dies. And then the fourth and then the fifth, all the way to seven. First of all, did no one call SVU to investigate what was going on in this story? But it goes through seven husbands. And then they ask him, so Lord Jesus, to whom does she belong in the afterlife? Number one, Jesus replies, I'm paraphrasing now, so you can go look it up, but number one, there is such a thing, uh, and, and, and for the kids in, in, in the congregation earmuffs, I'm going to use the S word, there is such a thing as a stupid question. This is a stupid question, because a stupid question is a question that's asked where an answer is not really intended. It's a stupid question. Jesus, you don't believe in the afterlife. Why, why are you asking me this question? Stupid question. Not all questions are worth your answer. Secondly, Jesus says, to whom does she belong? Which of the men does she belong to? None of them. She belongs to God. As do you. As do all of you. As do I. You, belong, you are a child of God. You belong to God. If there is any property exchange here, it is you are God's child. You are God's heir. As much as we might love our spouse, we don't belong to them. We together belong to God. Third, Jesus says, I know, this, I love, this is why I love reading the Psalms. As I said last week, the Psalms remind us that the library of Scripture are the words of God, the words to God, these words about God, because even Jesus here, Jesus says, you've heard it said, and I say unto you. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. So even Jesus says, I'm well aware of what Deuteronomy says. But I say to you, pay attention. When God is there with Moses at the burning bush, he says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Jacob. I am the God of Isaac. He didn't say I was the God of Abraham because Abraham is no more. To all those that rest in the heart of God are alive to God. God is not a God of dead. God is a God of the living. Which is why God is alive and moving and dynamic. As I've mentioned before, the, the target of our discipleship, the target of our devotion, the target of our love, our the target of our longing is always fixed upon God, but God is not fixed. God does not say, come up to the mountain anytime you want to see me and then go back down. No, God, I am with you always to the end of the age. When Moses goes up, we've been talking a lot about Moses, completely by accident, 
Um, or maybe by the end of the series, God will have something in store for us talking about Moses so much. When Moses goes up the mountain and he gets the law and he comes back down the mountain, sees the golden calf, gets mad, remember that from last week, and then goes back up the mountain, gets the tablets again, oy vey, it took a whole day for Moses to ruin that. And Moses comes back down the mountain. At that point, they build a tabernacle so that God is not up there, out there in the fire and the smoke. God is there in the tent with them, in the tabernacle sojourning with them. That is what joy is. What is joy? I say it every year at Advent. It's one of those things I want on my tombstone. Joy is the steadfast assurance that God is with us. God is our target, but that target is always on the move. That's why it says in the Gospel of Mark, the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit didn't ask. The Spirit didn't recommend or suggest. The Spirit drove Jesus. God is moving. God is prodding. God is messing and meddling with us. Sometimes even dragging us to where we need to be. God is alive. Have you not read the scriptures, Jesus says? I am the God of Abraham. Even though you see Abraham no more. Verse 3, and I promise I'm not going to walk through all the, I know you're looking at, he's only on verse 3. We're never going to make it to Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm not going to go through all the verses. But I will this one. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me continually, where is your God? My tears have been my, I am so thankful. We didn't talk about this. And we rarely talk about what the pastoral prayer is going to be. Uh, But I love how this happens. You mentioned manna today in your prayer. This verse, my tears have been my food, Lord. One of the things on God's business card is I, the Lord your God, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who offered you manna in the wilderness to satisfy the hungry heart. And here the psalmist has offered an indictment against the Lord God himself. Tears have been my food. Where is that manna? You promised. My soul longs for flowing streams and the only streams that I can consume are the salty bitterness of my own tears. In your absence, O God, people are noticing. They are saying to me, where is your God? It's one thing for me to feel distant from God. It's another thing for my friends to notice that I'm feeling distant from God. Tears have been my food day and night while people continually say, where is your God? Truth be told, God can sometimes be silent. And for those of us who are believers, it is quite an uncomfortable feeling. I promise not to mention this after this weekend, but in Children of Eden, which is this weekend, the 23rd and 24th, tickets on sale now, part of the theme of that show is what to do when God is silent. In the first act, God is with Adam and Eve walking in the coolness of the garden, right? Let me say this, let me say this, before before the bishop gets any mail, let me me say this. Um, Children of Eden is not a retelling of Genesis. It's not Genesis on stage, right? 
Like, for example, Noah's son Japheth is married to Yona in the musical. Yona's not in the Bible. It's, all right, so are we, let me just press the pause. It's a musical, okay? It's, so let's just, because there are some things that, well, I'll just say that God's, God's kind of a jerk in, in, in the musical, okay? He, he's he's uh, reckless and, and self-centered and gets very angry and all that. Are we okay? It's a musical. It's a musical. It's not, a, it's not me reading Genesis. Okay, so before, before we get any letters. Excellent. Part of the theme of Children of Eden is what to do when God is silent. Because God is walking with Adam and Eve and and uh, when Eve eats the, 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 the fruit of the tree of knowledge, right, uh, God kicks them out of the garden, right? Okay, so far so good. We know that story, right? We can kind of follow that. Uh, and then there's Cain and Abel, right? And then what happens is the way that God treated Adam and Eve is now the way that Adam, because Cain goes off and he sees kind of like the Stonehenge thing. That's not in the Bible. It's, it's a musical. But he sees these ring of stones and he says, oh my gosh, there's other people here. So he goes back and Adam is like, do not stay with us. Stay with me in the shelter of the home that we have created, which is exactly what God was saying to them. In other words, Adam starts to treat Cain the way that God was treating Adam, except this time murder is involved. Cain murders his brother. And then we get to Noah and his family. And at that point in the show, God is silent. God is not talking to them. God is distant. God says, I'm going to blot out mankind from the face of the earth. I'm done. I want to rid the world of the race of Cain, but Noah's family is pure. Except that Japheth, his thirdborn. How many of you are thirdborns in your family? This is about to make a lot of sense here. Japheth does not know how to follow the rules. You know, you have the firstborn, which is the rule follower. Then you have the secondborn, which is the peacekeeper. And you have the thirdborn who rides the motorcycle. You know what I'm saying? You know, Japheth, the thirdborn, marries a girl and sneaks her onto the ark, and she is from the race of Cain. So God decides to not stop the rain. Fine. They're going to disobey me? It ain't going to stop raining. But then God learns through Noah, because Noah refuses to throw her overboard. Noah says, hey, if we're all going to die because God's keeping the rain going, we will all die loving each other. And whatever time we have, we're going to spend it through love. And God learns from Noah what it finally now means to be a parent. The hardest part of love is letting go. What do we do when God is silent? God's silence doesn't necessarily mean distance or apathy. Sometimes it means that God is waiting to hear from you. If God's doing all the talking, God can't listen to you and vice versa. <laughs> Sometimes God's silence means that God is listening. If God is silent today, then talk to God. If God is also silent again tomorrow, keep talking, keep praying. Hmm. Verse four. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. So that, that's, again, another kind of indictment. You haven't poured out anything to me, Lord, so I will now pour out my soul. How I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts, 
and songs of thanksgiving and a multitude-keeping festival. This is the psalmist remembering the temple, remembering the joy, remembering going into God's house and feeling God's presence. And I'll tell you, I've been to the Holy Land, I've been to the Western Wall, and it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. I went to the wall. I've told this story before, but it's been a couple years. I went to the wall and I said a prayer for the congregation that I was serving at that time. Because you can write a prayer on a piece of paper and put it in the, in the western wall and kind of stand there. And, and you're shoulder to shoulder to people. And you know, So I, I put a little prayer in the wall and I'm praying uh, uh, for my friends and I'm praying for my family and I'm praying for the giftedness of being a pastor. But in my mind's eye, in my imagination, I kept seeing the faces of the people I disagreed with. So I said, no, Lord, I'm praying for my friends. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my, my grilling buddies. You know what I'm saying? I'm praying for them. And I kept seeing these faces of the people in, in the congregation that, that we didn't get along with, disagreed and, and, and weren't very kind to each other. So I changed my prayer. Are you ready for this? Young, wet behind the ears pastor. I changed my prayer. I said, may they, oh, Lord, recognize the gospel. And then I heard as clear as a human voice. I'm not trying to change their hearts. They're not the one praying at the wall right now. Well, isn't that humbling? Oh, Lord, may you change their hearts. And God says, no, 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 no. Prayer changes you, my man. You're the one here. You're the one praying. I'm going to work on your heart. So the psalmist remembers that kind of a moment in the house of God. And truth be told, the, the, the fanfare and the joy and, 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 and the love, I, I remember it too. You remember the, remember the good old days? Remember the good old, like 2019? Remember the good old days when, when Sunday school teachers would complain about all the noise in the hallway? Remember those, remember those days? My, how yesterday's curses can be tomorrow's blessings. There's a whole sermon in there. I remember the house of the Lord and I come to you. Hmm. Verse five, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My favorite, and this is then re repeated at the end of the, when I, so skip a few 9900. We skip to the last verse. The same language is used in the last verse. Hope in God. I will praise you again. I love that language because of its honesty. It doesn't say, why are you cast down, O soul? Praise him now. Get up and go to church. No, it says, I, I, I will praise you again. The honesty of recognizing that I'm, I might not be in that place right now. I might not be there today. But I will be as I continue to hope, as I continue to, to cry out, as I continue to long. That's the beauty of both God on the move, alive, out there, prodding and poking, and a God who resides in the temple is that it causes us to have our feet firmly planted in the house of God, but also reaching and stretching to a God that is on the move. Where is your God? The psalmist asks. God is below our feet, holding us firm. God is also out there calling us to stretch and to live and to go into places where we are uncomfortable in the world. Where is your God? All around me. Though, 
I might not be able to see it today. And that's okay. I will, I will, future tense, I will praise him again. And that is my hope. May it also be your hope as we together long for God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, God who doesn't stay on the top of the mountain, God who sojourns with us in the wilderness, wherever we find ourselves, whether in the valley or the mountaintop or in barren land or in the place of milk and honey. Father, we give you thanks that you are with us. We long for you. Our feet planted firm, yet our arms outstretched. Father, give us hope, especially in the times where you are silent. May we recognize that in those times of silence that you are listening, listening to our prayer. So as we gather together in the house of the Lord, whether in person or online or in spirit, may we continue to long for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.